Now, how many of you here today are a sports fan? Raise your hand. Okay, a good number of you are sports fans. I am as well, although I'm not a fanatic like some of you are. Uh, I'm more of a fair weather fan myself, but I do like to enjoy watching uh, sports. My favorite sport is football. Favorite team, Buffalo Bills, right? How many of you guys watched the draft this week? Anybody of you keep up with that? I was a little bit curious to see what they were going to do. I knew they had a lot of draft capital. And uh, if you watch the talking heads on uh, the local news outlets, uh, there's not a lot of optimism about their move to grab Josh Allen at the number seven spot. But I, I trust the coaching staff of this team. And I'm hopeful, I'm optimistic that this can turn around in our favor. But um, I brought a jersey today of my favorite Buffalo Bills player of all time. Before I show you, how many of you can guess who it is? Jim Kelly. You got it. Number 12. This is when it was fun to be a Bills fan, right? The glory years in the early 90s when they went to four straight Super Bowls. I'm just going to leave that right there as inspiration. See if I can get that to stay. Yeah, there we go. Now, if you know this, if you've been following his story on social media or anything like that, uh, we need to be praying for Jim Kelly, who is recovering from his second surgery. They removed oral cancer, which came back, and he is recovering, and so we need to keep him in our prayers. But I don't know if you know this about Jim Kelly or not, but when he uh, first came into the pros, he didn't really want to play for Buffalo. Uh, coming out of the University of, Miami, uh, University of Miami, his agent actually asked him, say, Jim, like, you know, you're, you're definitely going to get drafted in the first round. Are there any teams that you don't want to play for? And not being a fan of cold weather, Jim Kelly listed off the Minnesota Vikings, the Green Bay Packers, and the Buffalo Bills. Those were the three teams that he did not want to play for. And so while he's watching the 1983 draft from his television, the Bills come up at number 12 and he is relieved and jumps up for joy when they don't pick him at number 12, only to be quickly reminded by his agent that the Bills also had the 14th pick in that year's draft. And when they picked him at number 14, he said in an interview recently that he actually cried a little bit. He said, oh, you've got to be kidding me. He did not want to come to Buffalo. But he came, and while meeting with the team to negotiate his contract, a Bills secretary made the mistake of allowing him to take a phone call during that meeting where a manager from the rival USFL called him up and convinced him to walk out of that meeting where they proceeded to offer him his choice of any team in the USFL. United States Football League, which was the competitor of the National Football League. And so he's like, would you rather play for Buffalo or would you rather play for a warm weather team? And so he signed on with the Houston Gamblers, which played in the climate-controlled Houston Astrodome. And so he's like, who would you rather play for, Houston or Buffalo? I'm taking Houston, he said. So after two incredible and successful seasons in the USFL, Jim Kelly set all sorts of records, but the USFL inevitably folded. They kind of went bankrupt, and the Bills had retained his NFL rights, and he signed on with them in 1986. And so say all that to say this. I got a hypothetical scenario to kind of present to you today. Suppose when Jim Kelly came to Buffalo in 1986, or suppose that Josh Allen, who you know just uh, was drafted by the Buffalo Bills, came and said, you know what? I will play for your team, but I don't want to wear your jersey. They'd be like, say what? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, 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 I want to play, but I don't really love your team. I don't really love this city. And so if I wear the jersey, I know I'm going to get hit. If I wear the jersey, I'm going to get recognized. And so I, I want to play, but I just want to wear a neutral jersey. That conversation probably would not have gone over very well, would it have? Because the Bills brass would have been like, well, we're kind of investing a lot of money into you. And, you know, Jim Kelly, as a side note, negotiated an $8 million five-year contract to surpass Joe Montana as the highest played player at the time. Now, that contract, you know, was big at the time, but today's contracts make that look like it's chump change when you look at what these kids are signing on for in the National Football League today. But they were like, you know, we're investing a lot of money into you, and so if you're going to play for us, you're going to wear our jersey. And obviously, this is, you know, a hypothetical scenario because he would go on to wear the number 12 jersey and uh, lead the Bills to the best years they've had in their franchise history. He would wear the jersey because the Bills invested a lot in him, because it was his team. And you may be sitting here right now wondering, what in the heck does betting and jersey talk have to do with church and following Jesus? Well, here's the deal. I believe that you have what it takes to follow Jesus, and I think you have what it takes to take your next step. And everyone in this room, whether you're here or you're listening online later on, you know, whether you've been following Jesus for one hour or 50 years, regardless of who you are or where you are, we all have a next step to take in our journey in following Jesus Christ. And your next step is your best step. Your next step is your best step. There are a lot of people here who kind of, when they start out on their journey with God, maybe are a little afraid to take their next step. And so they try to bargain or negotiate with God. They're like, God, I, you know, I, I don't really want to stop sleeping around or I don't want to stop doing this, but I'll read my Bible. I'll go to church, right? I want the $8 million contract, but I don't, I don't want to wear the jersey and I don't want to get hit. They want you know, the benefits of following Jesus and the promise of eternity in heaven without having to pick up their cross and follow him. But it doesn't work like that. Because your best step is to take your next step and to do what God is calling you to do in obedience and not to try to bargain with God. And your next step is your best step and your best step is your next step. And so today I wanna talk to you about the step of going under the waters of baptism. There are some of you here today who have signed up and are registered and are ready and excited to take your next step. Many people here in our church over the last several months have made that decision to follow Jesus Christ. They've received him into their heart and they've made him the Lord and Savior of their lives. We had six people several weeks ago as we kicked off the series. We had 15 people at Easter. We had 27 people at Christmas time, all that said yes to Jesus. They confessed their sin. They invited him into their heart. He washed them, made them brand new. The old is gone, the new has come, and their next step is today to get baptized. And baptism is very simple. Today I'm going to give you a very unorthodox definition of baptism. And in keeping with our jersey kind of analogy and metaphor, baptism is putting on the jersey of the one who has invested in you. Baptism is putting on the jersey of the one who has invested in you. It's an outward profession of an inner connection. You see, Jesus Christ invested a lot in you. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ hung on a cross, naked, beaten, and bleeding, and he would give his life for us so that we could be made right with God. 
Three days later, though, he walked out of that tomb and ascended to the Father where he's been preparing a place for us ever since. He invested a lot in us. And if you've placed your faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, the first thing he asks you to do is to go public with your faith, to put on the jersey and identify yourself as being on Team Jesus. When you get baptized, you're saying, I belong to Jesus. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. I love Jesus, and I'm going to follow Jesus. That's what baptism is. And so we're going to today going to go through a couple of different passages of scripture, and then I'm going to make three quick points about baptism, and then we're going to have the opportunity for those who came ready to get baptized today to do so, and maybe some of you here today who weren't expecting to get baptized may decide that you want to do that as well. But the book of Matthew was written by a close friend of Jesus, one of his disciples, and he wrote this in Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. It records this story of when Jesus was baptized. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. And I want to just pause right there before we continue on with the verse because normally we would just sort of skim over this seemingly insignificant part of the passage. But what I want to point out about this as Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John is that this was a 60 to 70 mile walk. Jesus walked 60 miles to get baptized, probably took him three to four days. And if you look at a topographical map of Israel, he traveled from Galilee, which was in this area here in the northern, northwestern part of Israel, which was semi-mountainous, roughly 1,100 feet in elevation, to the Jordan River, which was at sea level. And in some places where it actually empties, it's below sea level, symbolizing that he humbled himself, he lowered himself to be obedient and get baptized. He traveled 60 miles and humbled himself to get baptized. And so if Jesus walked 60 miles to get baptized, we know it's important, right? Verse 14, but John tried to deter him. And I wanna really quickly pause again and and say that if you're gonna take your next step in your walk with Christ, you're going to face opposition. Someone or something will try to stop you or deter you from taking your next step in your walk with Christ. And and the thing is this, the opposition doesn't always come where you expect it to come from. The opposition isn't always going to be like holding a pitchfork and wearing, you know, horns in a devil costume. Because Jesus was opposed by John the Baptist. And for those of you who don't know, John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. Some of you here today know what it's like to have your own family oppose you as you try to follow Jesus Christ. But opposition is always an opportunity to continually say yes to Jesus. So John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you're coming to me? And Jesus replied in verse 15, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. In verse 16, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And I want you to remember that phrase because we're going to come back to that in a few moments. And at that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Now, don't miss this. When you take your next step in following Jesus Christ, one thing you can know for sure is that God is pleased with you. If you're here today and you came ready to get baptized, you can know that when you come up out of that water, your heavenly father is pleased with you. 
Now listen, that doesn't mean that he loves you anymore because his love is unconditional. There is nothing you can do that, make, that can make him love you any more or any less than he already does right now. But he will be pleased with you. Parents know this to be true, right? You can love your kids and not always be pleased with them, right? I was talking to my boys this afternoon and preparing even for this service where my youngest one, Isaac, is gonna be getting baptized today. And you know, this whole idea of, you know, parents loving their kids but not always being pleased with them, like when they throw temper tantrums or scream in your face out of anger. Not that that has ever happened with either of my boys. <laughs> you love them unconditionally all the time, no matter what, but you're not always pleased. But when they make good choices, you're pleased. God the Father was pleased when Jesus got baptized, and he's pleased with those of you who are taking your next step in obedience today. And so after this moment, Jesus would continue to travel around for roughly three years or so, three and a half years, you know, preaching and teaching, performing signs and wonders before he would ultimately be crucified on a cross, only to come out of that tomb three days later. And for a period of roughly 40 days after he was resurrected, he appeared to them and many others speaking about the kingdom of God. And right before he ascended to his father, he kind of gathered his disciples to himself. He says, guys, I want you to go and tell everyone about me. We know this in the church as the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. He said, tell everyone about me. So about a week later, the disciples are hanging around in Jerusalem where Jesus told them to go and wait for this promised Holy Spirit. They didn't know what they were waiting for exactly. But about a week later, they're gathered together, kind of hunkered down in this upper room during the festival of uh, Pentecost. And there's a large crowd of people gathered in Jerusalem for the festival, for the festival and you know, they're, they're hanging out, they're waiting, and, you know, the Holy Spirit comes, just like Jesus promised that it would, and it, it came in a, in a big way. There was a sound like a mighty rushing wind that came, and they all start speaking out the wonders of God in a language that they didn't grow up knowing. They start speaking in different languages that those that are gathered in Jerusalem can understand because Pentecost was a festival that required Jews to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And so you got Jews from every nation in the known world gathered there that are hearing this, this weird sound coming around from this house. And then all of a sudden they're hearing these disciples talk in a language that they shouldn't know, but they understand. And so all of a sudden, Peter gets up now filled with the Holy Spirit, and he preaches the first sermon of the New Testament church. He starts telling everyone who's gathered around, wondering what's happening, who Jesus is. And in Acts chapter 2, it says this, when the people had heard what Peter had gotten done, done saying, when the people heard this, it says they were cut to the heart. Have you ever experienced that before? maybe in church or listening to a message where you're cut to the heart. Sometimes you hear something and you say, amen, which as a preacher, as a pastor, I love it when you say amen, when you talk back, it kind of gives me some energy and lets me know you're awake and I'm not boring you to sleep. Amen. Sometimes it's amen, <laughs> but sometimes it's like, oh man, ow, cut to the heart. See, when you're cut to the heart, when you feel something that you hear in a message, that's the Holy Spirit trying to do something in you because he wants to do something through you. They were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? 
So they're cut to the heart and their response is, what should we do? And notice they didn't say, hey, what should we know? See, Christianity is not about intellectual knowledge. It is about the application of knowledge. Being cut to the heart should always produce a response. It should always produce an action. They weren't like, hey, that was a great sermon, Pete. Now I'm just going to go home and chill. They were like, that was a great sermon. What should we do now? What do we do with the information that we just heard? And Peter said a couple things in response. Look at how Peter answered them in verse 38. They're like, we got to do something. We got to take our next step. Peter replied, repent and be baptized. He said two things. Number one is repent. And some of you maybe think of that term in a you know, negative connotation where you see people standing up on street corners with you know, the billboard signs around their front and back saying, repent, you know, turn or burn, you're gonna go to hell. But really repent just means that you change your mind about who you thought Jesus was and then you change your direction. When you realize that Jesus is who he said he is, you're walking this way, you're doing your own thing in life, and he says, follow me, and then you turn your direction, and you start to follow Jesus instead of going the way you were going. That's what repentance means. But he didn't just say to repent. He said, repent and be baptized. See, repentance is internal. It's a decision you make on the inside to invite Jesus Christ in and make him the Lord of your life, but baptism is external. Baptism is something that every single follower of Christ is told to do over and over and over again in the scriptures. It's going public with our faith. It's putting on the jersey of team Jesus to let the world know that you've decided to follow him. It's an outward expression of an inward change. So he said, repent and be baptized. Every one of you, every one of you, there were good people in the crowd and there were bad people in the crowd. There were religious people in the crowd and there were non-religious people in the crowd. Peter made no exceptions about who was to get baptized. Every one of you, he said. In the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence inside of us when we accept Christ through repentance and take that step to get baptized. In verse 41 those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 people were added to their number that day. 3,000 people said yes to Jesus and took their next step that same day to get baptized. I can't imagine what that was like that day. But this shows me that there doesn't need to be a waiting period. Immediately they got baptized. There doesn't need to be a baptism class. You don't need to wait. It should happen as soon as possible after you make a decision to receive and follow Jesus Christ. You know, a few chapters later, we would be introduced to a guy named Saul who would later be referred to as Paul. And his name wasn't really changed. Saul was his uh, Hebrew name and Paul was his Greek or Roman name. And uh, he was going around persecuting Christians because he was super zealous about his faith. See, he was a Pharisee in Judaism and he thought that those who followed Jesus were a cult and he wanted to stamp this thing out. And so he's going around putting people in prison that followed Jesus when on the way to Damascus, where he's gonna go put more Christians in prison, he meets the risen and resurrected Jesus on the road, and he becomes a Christ follower himself. And immediately, you can read it in Acts chapter nine, immediately he gets baptized. But he would later write a letter to some Christians in Rome about 
the topic of baptism that has some symbolism that I want. It's so powerful that I want to read it to you today. It's in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Paul writes this. He says, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of God the Father, we too may live a new life. See, baptism is symbolic of Jesus' death and resurrection. In the same way that when Jesus died for our sins and was placed in a tomb, when we go under the water, we are symbolizing that we are identifying with him. We are dying to our old sinful man. And in the same way that when Jesus came up out of that tomb three days later, when we come up out of the water, we are being raised to new life in Christ. The old has gone and the new has come. Amen? That's what baptism is a picture of. We're identifying with Christ who was buried for our sins, but raised again, and we get to experience new life in Christ. It's the next step that every single Christ follower should take. So with that in mind, I want to give you three quick points about baptism before we celebrate with those who are taking that step here today. Number one, baptism is after salvation. Baptism is after salvation. You see, I've got a ring on my hand right now. Some of you guys probably know what this is. It's on my left hand, so this is what? It's a wedding ring, okay? This ring was placed on my finger on May 19th, 2006. So that means we are coming up on 12 years of marriage in just a couple of weeks. It was placed on my finger that day because that's the day I got married. I didn't, as a teenager, put a wedding ring on because I hoped I would be married one day because that would just be weird. And my parents didn't put a ring on my finger when I was a baby because they wanted me to get married one day, because that would be weird too. See, I entered into a covenant relationship with my wife on May 19th, 2006, and she placed this ring on my finger as a symbol of that covenant. And in the same way, baptism is a symbol of the covenant relationship that you've entered into with Jesus Christ. It happens after you say yes to Jesus, not before. Now, I want to be sensitive to this issue because I know that some of you may have grown up in a tradition in which you were baptized as an infant. And again, I want to be sensitive to this, but the truth is this. If you were baptized as a baby, that was your parents' choice. It wasn't your choice. And everywhere in scripture that you see somebody getting baptized, it happened after they personally made a decision for themselves to follow Jesus Christ and to trust in him as their Lord and Savior. Your parents can't pick your team for you. You have to pick that for yourself. And some people might say, well, I can't get baptized as an adult because it's gonna offend or dishonor my parents and what they did for me as a baby. But there are two things I want you to understand. And number one is this, that wasn't really a biblical baptism as we've just talked about because you didn't decide that for yourself. Your parents did. And number two, if you get baptized today as an adult, what I want you to understand is that this is not a contradiction of what your parents did for you because what your parents were doing when they baptized you as a baby is they were, you know, basically expressing what they wanted for your life. 
They wanted you to have a relationship with God so you could look at this as a completion of that, not as a competition or as a contradiction of what happened when you were a baby. And so if you grew up in you know, a tradition where that happened, maybe you can look at it that way, where now that you are an adult and you have personally made a decision for yourself, this can be a completion of what your parents wanted for you when you were a child. Maybe some of you were baptized as a younger child, but you, know, you did it kind of out of peer pressure. Maybe it was at a youth camp or something where everyone else was getting baptized and so you didn't want to be left out. So you're like, I guess I'm going to get baptized too, but you didn't really understand the significance of it or what you were doing in that moment. You hadn't yet personally made a decision to make Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so if that's you here today, then maybe today would be the day where you'd be like, you know what, even though I got baptized when I was six, I didn't really understand it. Now that I do, I want to go public with my faith and put on the Team Jesus jersey on. Some of you were saved and baptized when you were younger, but then you kind of walked away from the faith for a while. And I've had this question several times, say, you know, Pastor Pete, I, you know, I, I got saved when I was 12 or 20 and I got baptized, but then I went through a season of my life, maybe five years, maybe 10 years, maybe even longer, where I, I just, I wasn't living for God and I was doing my own thing and I've recently recommitted my life to the Lord and do I need to get baptized again? And that's a really good question, actually. And what I would say to that is, while there's nothing in scripture that says you have to get baptized again, if baptism is a way for you to publicly declare the inward decision you've made to trust in Jesus and to follow Jesus, why wouldn't you want to announce to the world that this is, you know, I'm on team Jesus. I belong to him. I'm going to follow him. This is a symbol of my covenant that I've made with him. And so maybe that's you here today and you would decide to get baptized again, to renew your commitment to Christ. So number one, baptism is after salvation. Number two, baptism is by immersion. It's by immersion. Now, I know that there's a lot of debate and argument out there depending on what denomination or tradition you grew up in that would say, do you really have to be fully immersed underwater for it to count as baptism? And I'm just not gonna wade into those waters today. I, it's not worth it to me to fight or argue with anyone who might believe differently than I do. But I do know this, there is not a scholar out there who will deny that Jesus was baptized by immersion. As a follower of Jesus Christ, I wanna do what Jesus did. In fact, we read the verse earlier, you know, that he came up out of the water. And so the word for baptism in the original language actually means to make fully wet and most often referred to people being fully immersed or submerged in water. And so if that's the way Jesus did it, that's the way I'm going to do it, and that's the way at Life Church Buffalo we're going to baptize people is by full immersion. And so maybe you're here today and you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm kind of scared of the water, and I get that. I know that there are legitimate fears out there, but I would just say this. All right, this is a glorified bathtub, and we've never lost anyone to drowning in the baptistry. I promise you, you'll be safe, okay? No need to be afraid of the water. Some of you might be concerned with your physical appearance. You're going to get all wet. You've got your hair and your makeup done. But listen, I'm so glad I followed a Savior who wasn't concerned about his appearance when he hung naked and bleeding on a cross for me. Baptism is by immersion. Number three, baptism is everyone's next step after salvation. Everyone. There's no exception. Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. 
Now, I understand that there are a lot of different um, brand preferences. Uh, I'm going to show you a couple logos here today of some athletic brands. Uh, and if you like or wear the, the clothing or apparel of the logos that I'm going to put up, maybe you could just, you know, shout or raise your hand or make some noise or something so that I know kind of what are the more popular brands. But how about this first one? Nike, right? The big swoosh. This is probably the most popular athletic brand out there that there is. When I was talking to my son, Sammy, as uh, I was getting ready for this message today, and he heard me going over this part of the message, he's like, um, I wish I could wear athletic wear every single day of my life. And it's true. The kid wants to wear wind pants and t-shirts every day. He wore jeans to church this morning because I asked him to, and he's like, dad, do I have to wear jeans tonight? I'm like, why, what do you want to wear, buddy? He's like, athletic pants. I'm like, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So that's Nike. How about this next one? Not so many on that one. Yeah, they were popular for all of like two minutes in the 80s. I, I don't know what happened. <laughs> they still classic. How about this next one? Adidas. Oh, yeah. See, there we go. Got some Nike and Adidas fans in here. I know that that is athletic wear, and maybe some of you aren't into that as much, but I wanted to kind of switch gears a little bit to something that's a little bit more, I don't know, uh, near and dear to my heart, which is coffee. All right, I'm going to show you some coffee brands and let me know which one you guys like the most. But how about this next one? Somebody said, yeah. What? What? I don't know if you can read that, that tagline at the top, good to the last drop. Who's ever made it to the last drop of a cup of Maxwell House coffee? You can do better than that. I'm sorry, Maxwell House is horrible. <laughs> this next one, though, is probably the most popular brand of coffee in the Buffalo area. Yeah. <laughs> I knew I'd get a reaction out of that one. But listen, I'm, I'm a little bit of a, a coffee snob myself, and I can enjoy, I will drink Tim Hortons, but it's not my preferred coffee. I like this last one here. This is real coffee to me. We got some people who know what coffee's supposed to taste like in here. Listen, I know we have different brand preferences when it comes to athletic wear or coffee, clothing, you name it. There's also different brands and preferences when it comes to Christianity. I understand that there are different denominations. There are different, uh, there's charismatic, there's Pentecostal, there's Lutheran, there's Presbyterian, there's Baptist, there's all these other denominations. And even in this room, there are different theological preferences, ideas, thoughts. And I love the fact that when it comes to Christianity, those who profess to believe that Jesus is the son of God who died on a cross for our sins and that the only way to the father is through him. There are dozens and dozens of denominations, but when it comes to Christianity, everyone has the same first steps. The first two steps are the same for everyone, and Scripture is clear about that. It's to, be, it's to repent and be baptized. Regardless of what denomination you grew up in, we can all agree that this is clear in Scripture. But here's a question. If we can't do those two things, what could make you think that you would ever be able to follow Jesus Christ? Some people say, well, I believe in Jesus and, and I go to church, but I, I don't, I don't want to get baptized. It's either embarrassing or humiliating. Listen, this, this is what scripture teaches. And if we're going to follow Jesus, I believe you've got what it takes to take your next step. 
You know, there was a time that Jesus was kind of talking to and challenging his disciples once. And uh, if I could have the band come up, we're going to get ready to close with this. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus says this to his disciples. He said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Baptism is about denying yourself. It's about saying no to the way you are going, saying no to your own wants and wishes because you're gonna follow him. Must deny yourself. It's telling the world that it's not about me anymore. It's about Jesus. I belong to him. I'm following him. He says they must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Now to his disciples, they would have taken this very seriously and very literally because they were in the Roman occupation where crucifixions lined the roads in a lot of places where the the Romans wanted to instill fear in the people that they were ruling over. And so Jesus is saying, hey, look, guys, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to be prepared to literally take up your cross and potentially give your life if you're going to follow me. But fortunately, in our day, in our society, we live in a country where we don't have to fear the loss of our life to follow Jesus, but there's still an element of having to deny ourselves to follow him. We've got to deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow him. Now, this is not a popular thing to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. There is a price to following Jesus. There's a price to following Jesus. Salvation is free. But following him will cost you something. Now listen, I believe with all my heart that following Jesus will make your life better and make you better at life. I believe that with all my heart. Jesus said, I came to give you abundant life. And when you invite his spirit into you and you begin to experience what's called the fruit of the spirit in your life, where you start to become more loving and patient and kind and faithful and gentle, that makes you better at life. You're gonna be a better mom, a better dad, a better husband, a better father, a better student, a better boss, a better employee. Following Jesus makes your life better and makes you better at life. But that doesn't mean that it comes without a price. We can't follow the one who sacrificed his life and gave up all for us without experiencing sacrifice ourselves. He says, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to follow me, you've got to pick up your cross. You've got to deny yourself. You've got to say no to what you want so that you can follow what I want. And why does he ask us to do that? It's because his purposes are greater than my preferences. God's purposes are greater than our preferences. He would go on to say, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. He says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? See, we don't get to live however we want once we make the decision to follow Jesus. He's calling the shots now. That's what Lord means. He's not only, a lot of people want Jesus to be their savior, but they don't want him to be their Lord because they want to remain in control of their life. He says this in verse 26, whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the son of man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the father and of the holy angels. You know, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, my, my faith is, it's a private matter. You know, you've heard the saying, don't talk about religion and politics. My faith is, it's a private matter. And I want you to understand something today that your decision to follow Jesus is a personal one, but it was never meant to be a private one. 
Jesus died a very public death to pay the price for your salvation and to provide the opportunity for you to be restored to relationship with him and to experience eternal life and abundant life. And he says, if you're gonna be ashamed of me before men, that I'm gonna be ashamed of you before my father. And I don't want this verse to be true of anyone in this room or listening online. I hope that everyone here today is proud of their decision to follow Jesus and wants the world to know that they belong to Jesus, that they love Jesus. And so maybe you didn't come today expecting to get baptized. Maybe you just came to watch those who are taking their next step. But maybe you've heard something that has pricked your conscience. You've been cut to the heart like we read about earlier. And you're like, well, I'm, I'm not ready to get baptized today. Well, good for you. We're ready. We're ready for you. Hey, Rich, if I could have somebody um, bring up one of those, uh, Nate, if you can bring up one of those baptism kits, I wanna show the people how we are ready for you. See, we've been praying for this very moment. We are believing that God is going to speak to some hearts and that some of you have been cut to the heart today and want to take the step of going public in your faith. And so in preparation for that, believing that God was gonna speak to some hearts, we wanted to remove all the roadblocks and all the barriers that would keep you or any excuses that you would have for why you can't get baptized today. So in the back, we've got these little kits made up. This is a men's small. We've got men's and women's bags back there. And when you open it, you know, if you want to respond after this message is over, we have got for you a pair of shorts, a pair of undies, all right, a comb so you can do your hair after you're baptized, and a nice made new t-shirt for ladies. We've got sports bras in there for you. In the bathrooms, we've got We've got hair dryers, we've got deodorant. There is everything you need to do so that after you get baptized, you can get back into your dry clothes after you've gotten dunked. So there's no excuses for why anybody here today who wants to get baptized, who hasn't taken that next step, who hasn't put on the Team Jesus jersey, there's no reason why you can't do that today. Maybe there are some of you here today who haven't even taken your first step of repenting but maybe you heard something here tonight that has cut to the heart and you wanna to respond today and you wanna say yes to Jesus. In a moment, we're gonna pray and then I'm gonna give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus and say yes to him. You can get saved and baptized on the same night. Let me try that again. Rewind. This is an exciting time as a church. This is why we exist. We exist to reach every person with a demonstration of Christ and his kingdom. And this demonstration is them going under the waters to tell the world, Jesus has changed my life. He has rescued me. He has set me free. He has saved me. And I want the world to know I belong to him. I love stories of life change. And we're gonna celebrate with at least 18 people tonight who've taken that next step. And I believe there are gonna be some of you who didn't come expecting to be baptized today that are gonna take that step. So will you pray with me, Heavenly Father, right now in this moment? I pray that you would give every person here today the courage to respond. Lord, that you would cut to the heart to those who need to take a step. Maybe it's to say yes to you for the first time. Maybe it's people who've already said yes but have never gone public with their faith. 
They've never taken that next step. And today I believe that you've all got what it takes to take your next step. And so with all heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you've been on the fence, you've been waffling back and forth, you've been unsure and and you've never made that decision to cross that line of faith, to say yes to Jesus, to invite him into your life. Today is the day of salvation. Today you can settle this once and for all. If that's you here today and you simply wanna open up your heart and invite him in to make him the Lord and savior of your life, would you just raise your hand all across this place? Is there anybody here today? I see that little hand over here. Anybody else today that wants to say yes to Jesus, to receive him as their Lord and savior? We've got several hands up here, one over here. Anybody else? Will we all pray together to welcome those who are joining the family of God, who are saying yes to Jesus? Say, God, I'm a sinner, and I know you sent Jesus to pay the price for my sin. So Jesus, today, I invite you into my heart, and I ask you to wash me of my sin. Come and live in me. Make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, and give me the power to follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. I belong to you. I'm yours. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Now, Lord, in this moment, I just pray that, as I said, you would give courage to those who are taking their next step and that as a church, we would celebrate with those who are taking their next step. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for being here today for allowing us to be a part of your movement in this time in history. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's what we're going to do, guys, okay? I'm going to give you a little bit of instructions. In a moment, I'm going to release those of you who came here today and registered and are ready to be baptized. And those of you who maybe prayed that prayer a moment ago or I got saved several years ago, but never took that step. I'm gonna release you in a moment. And when I do, those of you, especially those of you that are responding in the moment, I want you to take all of your belongings with you to the back. And we're gonna have volunteers in the back that will direct you and tell you where to go because you're not gonna have an opportunity to come back to your seat after you're soaking wet to recollect your things. So if you're gonna get baptized, take all of your things with you. They'll direct you on where to go. They'll give you a kit, everything you need, and they're gonna get you into position. And while they're getting into position, the band is going to lead us in a time of worship to give them time to get ready and so guys if you would just stand to your feet right now everyone here stand to your feet and on the count of three if you're going to get baptized today I want you to head to the back and we're going to shout and cheer for you on the count of three ready one two three make your way to the back come on if you're getting baptized head to the back Yeah, if you've got a made new t-shirt on, if you're getting baptized, go ahead and head to the back. Isaac, go ahead. So we're going to have Kelly and the band lead us in a time of worship while they get into position. So let's just worship the Lord in this moment.